Ah, oh, dang. 2020's over already. It was just getting started. Don't you want to just go back and, and re... Re-enjoy 2020. <laughs> Shut up, Game Dave. Let's get digitally distracted. Welcome back to Digitally Distracted. I am Game Dave, and 2020 is gone. 2021 is here, and it's time to reflect on 2020 with you. So let's get right into the topics and questions that you sent in for this episode. Now, first, real quick, it's a new year. Things are different on the internet. Some of you might not watch these long, long episodes because it's really a podcast. There's an audio version of Digitally Distracted that you can listen to on your platform of choice. I guarantee it's probably on the one you use to listen to podcasts. Some of you like the audio version. Some of you like the video version. I'm not sure what to do. Let me know if you still want these video versions of Digitally Distracted because, you know, if, if it's a problem, I can deal with it. Let me know. But let's get into the ultimate end-of-the-year reflection Q&A topics and questions. This episode is all created from you. So let's first look at some uh, some tweets on the old Twitter that were sent in for today's episode. First, friend of the show, we got Dreamy Warrior, that's John with an H, who said, What game... Got you most digitally distracted that you poured hours into when you yourself required a dose of distraction from the previous year. I mean, come on, that's obviously a fantastic question because digitally distracted, it's what it's all about. Get a little distracted. Don't worry about all the worries that you got to think about. Come hang out. And for me, I think... It's going to come down to two games, really the games I played the most in 2020, one of which is obvious because it was a go-to game for many, many people that just wanted to get away from this world and enjoy another world, and that world was the world of Animal Crossing. Of course, Animal Crossing New Horizons was uh, insanely popular. Uh, It came out at the pinnacle of us hearing about this d- disease, this virus. And everybody was seemingly playing Animal Crossing. Though the hardcore are still playing it to this day. Just enjoyed their New Year celebrations with a tuxedo Tom Nook in their game. And I also picked up Animal Crossing on release. And I pumped a lot of hours into it. It's one of those games that I played the first day I got it and played it every single day for many, many, many months. And then, as I said in a previous episode, I missed a couple couple days. And for me, when I break that streak in an Animal Crossing game, I just, I stop, I stop. But Nintendo sent their end of the year sort of uh, gamer 
profile card of how many hours you spent on the games that you played throughout the year. And at the top of the list, of course, was Animal Crossing. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of hours. So many hours spent playing Animal Crossing that even Try from My Life in Gaming referenced the number of hours that I played it in their end-of-the-year video that they did of all the games they played throughout 2020, talking about their favorites. Check it out. It was a good video. Long, though, almost as long as this podcast episode is going to be of Digitally Distracted, up upwards of 400 hours, nearly 500 hours. I think it was like 465 hours of Animal Crossing. And a lot, a lot of that had to do with the ability to pick up and play the game anywhere in the house. And when you're locked in, you don't know what room you're going to be in. I can't just sit at my PlayStation. I can't just sit at the big TV when I got a baby running around and I'm by myself. So Animal Crossing worked. Do a couple tasks in Animal Crossing. Feed the kids some snacks. Play with them. Play some Animal Crossing. Back and forth, you know. That's where all those hours really came in. So really, Animal Crossing was just 465 hours of saving me and keeping me sane while watching the boy 24-7. There you go, the Game Boy. Watching Dad go into another world is what it is. Game Dad. Next question, also from Twitter. Renee Klain. Renee Klain, how are you? Why aren't you playing Genshin? <laughs> I don't... You know why. Because if I got into Genshin, I'd disappear like you have. Yes, Genshin, um, free-to-play... MMO-ish. It's everywhere. They call it the the Breath of the Wild-esque sort of game, but it's a little MMO-ish. I don't know because I haven't played it. Because if I got into it too much, it'd be another Animal Crossing. I can't afford another 465 hours, especially when they're not super portable. But that probably, I mean, it's probably a portable version of that game. I wouldn't know, Renee Klein. I'm sorry. Why aren't I playing it? Other things existing. Look at all these friends of the show in the in the questions and topics for this episode. Dex, Dexter Moral, check his stuff out. Great illustrations Dex is doing. Dexter said, maybe a general game room update, like how's the setup treating you so far? That's a really good question because somebody else also asked. Charlie Friday said, how was the shelf system holding up now that you've lived with it a while? So for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, when we moved into this new place, I specifically set up the basement area with the wall control shelving. Did a video on that, if you saw that. I still stand by it. It is the best shelving system I've ever used for anything. It might not be the look that you want, but the customizability is what led me to it, especially for gaming consoles and cartridges and jewel cases and really anything that you're going to put on a shelf that comes from a game system you can make it happen you can even hang controllers Corey, also from my life in gaming he he got some he got into the wall control system and he bought some hooks and he's actually been hanging his controllers on the wall control panel so you can do a lot with it you can do a lot with it obviously the main goal of that metal pegboard system is for tools, garages, things like that. But the wider range of colors 
the wide range, not a range, the arrangement of colors that they have available allows you to really customize it to, you know, the look you want for your room, for your space, the different sizing. You can really expand with wall control. And I'll say to both of you, Charlie and Dex, the shelf system is holding up great. Haven't had any issues. I have had to expand and add some shelves to the panels. And I've actually removed some shelves from the panels. I've sort of changed the way recently, maybe a, about a month ago, I sort of changed the way that I had the setup. I moved some things around, uh, moved some of the Sega items around, and that caused me to actually remove a shelf and uh, put some taller items on them. And the fact that they're these solid metal bracketed shelves, I can put heavier items or large items. I actually have a boxed Famicom disc system on display now in the Fami Corner area of the shelving system. The setup is really good. I, I really enjoy the new game room. Uh, it has allowed things to stay organized, off the floor, out of storage. That was my biggest goal with this move was stop keeping things in bins. Um, everything that I want to have access to, I can access right on the shelf. It's all there alphabetically, which is great. Until you get a couple of games and they push all the games down to the next row, which you're going to deal with with any shelving system. Oh, man. Especially when you get uh, a game that starts with the letter B, and you've got to move everything down one. Woo! So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll, I'll place that game horizontally on top of a row, and then when I get enough, I'm like, all right, it's time to reorganize. Let's shift them all in, make it happen. It works. I love it. I love the setup. Um, much easier to just pick up any game and play it. Right now, speaking of game room update setups, I finally started the tedious task of cleaning all of my game cartridges. Try, again, I keep referencing try. I clearly need to call Try and Corey. It's been too long. We need to catch up. Try has a very good system of as soon as he gets something new, he cleans it up all good, gets those pins nice, shelves it. Sometimes I get a little lazy. I buy a couple games. I'm like, all right, let me just throw them on the shelf. I'll, I'll clean them later. Not good. So I get into this situation where every time I want to play a game, I don't know if I've cleaned it or not, so i got to check it. And if I'm going to check it with a Q-tip, I might as well just clean the thing anyway. So every time I play a cartridge-based game, I end up cleaning it. Wasting time. So I finally did it. I got my, my Suikoden 3 bookmark, my Suikoden 3 metal bookmark, that's right. And I just place it in between the carts, going from left to right down the shelves. And I started with NES. I'm just pulling games out when I have a chance. A little tediousness. Clean, clean the pins, put it back, move the bookmark. I'm going to slowly work my way through so I no longer have to worry. If it's on the shelf, it's clean and ready to go because I don't want to damage any of my consoles with dirty, dirty carts. Come on now. So I hope that answers your question. Next up, Janjo. Janjo Zone. How are you? What should Sega do for Sonic's 30th anniversary? Man, there's a lot of 30, 30s coming up, which reminds me of my age. We're starting to hit things that I grew up with that are in the 30s. Whew. Scary. Ghostbusters hitting the 35th anniversary. Back to the Future. Man, 35th anniversary of Back to the Future was uh, 2020, 1985. It's kind of crazy to think how old this stuff's getting. 
And then you got Sonic, 30th anniversary coming up. Here's the thing. I don't uh, I don't know what they should do because I don't really track Sonic as much as you do, obviously. Uh, what they'll likely do, I would assume, is release some sort of retro pack. Isn't that the thing? I mean, Nintendo did it. The Super Mario 3D All-Stars came out. I'm at 35th. The Super Mario Battle Royale game, Super Mario 35, came out. Not too bad. That's fun. It's fun. So I have a feeling it'll be some sort of retro compilation release. At the very least, right? They've got to do that with Sonic. Maybe a true and proper collection of the original set of 2D Sonic games. Get Sonic CD on there. You know. That's probably what they should do. They've released them so many times on so many platforms, but to do a really solid release of all the games in a nice package, that would do well, I'm sure. Maybe they'll do that. I don't know what they should do, but that's probably what they will do. Daniel Greenberg. What's up, Dan? Any specific Tales games, the Tales series, I assume you mean, you'd like to see get the white glove treatment as part of the 25th anniversary event. The internet. The internet and gaming has become a a world of anniversaries. I feel like every five, what was it, like every five or ten years, (laughs) you're getting some anniversaries. But it's also to the point where on this day, 23 years ago, this was released. It's getting excessive, getting intense. So the 25th anniversary of Tales, the Tales series is coming up. I don't have a lot of experience with the Tales games, though they are RPG-esque, though the early Tales games, as far as I recall, are not very turn-based. They sort of flip the turn-based idea on its head, and it has this almost like fighting game-esque gameplay when you go into what look like turn-based battles from the open world. But the, the most experience I have with Tales would be Tales of Destiny 2, Which is tricky because if you look up Tales of Destiny 2, you're going to see the actual Tales of Destiny 2, which is on PS2. But the Tales of Destiny 2 I'm talking about is the North American release Tales of Destiny 2 on the original PlayStation, which is uh, Tales of Eternia, right? Tales Tales of Eternia? That's the one I've played the most, which released here as Tales of Destiny 2. I don't have Tales of Destiny 1 on the original PlayStation. I have some of the later, like Tales of Zillia and those games, but I haven't really delved into them. So, the white glove treatment, let's go uh, Tales of Eternia, because it's the one I have the most experience with. Now, the question is, would they release it as Tales of Eternia Remastered or HD, or would they release it as Tales of Destiny, Tales of Destiny 2 HD? Probably Eternia. To avoid confusion. You think Final Fantasy has numbering confusion. Tales. The Tales games. It's like the Xbox line of naming. Because you got Eternia. You got Destiny. It's all over the place. Zillia. It's confusing. Come on, Tales. Lock it in. With your spin-offs. Foolishness. Kevin at the Golden Bolt. Check out the Golden Bolt. Known Kevin for a while. I might be late. You're not late. See, you just made it. You just made the cut. But something I've been thinking about. What do you think was the greatest lesson you learned in 2020? In life, in games and media, or in general attitude? That's a great question. 
That's what people say when they're trying to think. That's a great question. Let me just think. Let me think. In life, in life. Uh, so first, in life, don't take anything for granted. That would be the in life because you don't know. You don't know what the next day holds or the next week holds or the next month holds or the next hour because you might be blindsided with something that changes everything. And you can't always be prepared for it. So sometimes you just got to live your life the best you can. Because you, you can't plan for everything. And I am a, a dangerously obsessed planner. I like to plan everything out. I have to have everything super organized. It's very, it's on the brink of compulsivity when it comes to the way I plan things out. And that can be very dangerous. You got you to gotta focus things in. Sometimes you got to lock them in. And uh, not try to perfect every detail of your life and plan every minute of your life because it's not going to work. What really taught me that was, well, the Game Boy. Life changer. In games and media, something I learned with games and media, well, something that has really been getting uh, at my, gnawing at me with media comes down to films. Streaming is is great. The convenience of streaming video content has been great. The cord has been cut here with the Game Dave household. No cable, just streaming services. Netflix, Hulu, Disney Plus. Inevitably, HBO Max is going to make its way in there, I would imagine. And I like the convenience. It's not as easy to discover new things or old things that I may have missed with streaming. For some reason, that's just they haven't quite figured out an easy way. Hulu and, and Amazon Prime seem to have almost figured it out in the way that you can search genres. But Netflix, I hate the way that Netflix categorizes things. I feel like I see the same junk, and it's hard for me to really dive into it and discover something I might actually enjoy. Netflix doesn't know what I want to watch. They very rarely make good suggestions. But the lesson I've learned is nothing is forever, which I guess could also apply to everything else. Nothing's forever, especially not with streaming and this digital distribution that the world is inevitably moving towards. You all know what I think about that. I think it sucks. It sucks. I don't like it. I need that that hard copy, that physical physicality. I need a physical physicality. And, I, and redundancy. I need some redundancy in my life. <laughs> and uh, a great example, December 31st was the last day for a lot of content on streaming services. The biggest one that a lot of people have been talking about, The Office. The Office television series has left Netflix as of January 1st, the new year, and is now going over to Peacock. The NBC streaming service, uh, and they're really pushing it. You got all the old office actors and actresses that uh, have nothing else going on, and they are promoting it like mad. Check it out on Peacock. The Office. Come on, you know me. It's me, Meredith from The Office. Go watch Office again, but on a different platform. Back to the Future. The Back to the Future trilogy also left Netflix. On, uh, after December 31st, which I was going through on Netflix. Though, luckily, 
I did pick up the the new 4K Blu-ray collection of the Back to the Future movies. And that's something that has almost or may teach me a lesson in the future. I had stopped when streaming became the thing. I was like, you know what? Digital's okay for movies. It was the first time I said that about any media. CDs, I still buy CDs. I don't buy digital music. I don't do it. Unless there's no other way to purchase digital music. Excuse me. Unless there's no other way to purchase music, period. I'll get it digitally if I have to, if if my hand is forced. But if it's been pressed on disc, vinyl I haven't gotten into, but disc, CD, I will purchase that before I will purchase a digital album. It's just not something for me, which might keep me from progressing in modern music. I don't like to buy digitally when it comes to music. But movies, I was like, okay, all these things are here. Maybe I don't need to have such a beefy physical movie collection. So I just have my one little movie area. I got some movie posters up of my favorite movies. And I have this movie rack of some of my favorites. And I hadn't really made the jump to Blu-ray. I have a lot of DVDs of some of my favorites, but I didn't have a lot of Blu-rays until recently because Disney had sort of come out and said that they were going to cease production, I believe. I don't think it was a rumor. I think it was official. Disney was going to cease production on some of their back catalog of films and in releasing them physically on Blu-ray. And that scared me a little bit. It's like, if Disney's going to stop releasing physical films, I mean, we all are nostalgic for the VHS, those big Disney VHS boxes, the big clamshell VHS cases for the classic Disney animated films. And to see that disappear, it's a little scary, a little scary to see them saying that they're going to stop manufacturing physical copies of their back catalog of films that's scary because unless you subscribe to disney plus who knows what you're gonna get you might lose out on streaming services you might miss that favorite movie and you have no way to watch it maybe it's not on streaming at all for example stay tuned where my stay tuned fans at anybody stay tuned old john ritter movie where they get sucked into a television by, I think, aliens or something, or monster, and they have to go through different television shows, and they're, like, trying to kill them, their family. <laughs> Stay tuned. That was on Amazon Prime, and now it's not on Amazon Prime. It says, no longer available. I had it in my watch list. And said, ooh, this, this title is no longer available. I'm not saying it's a Film Institute winner top 100 film of all time, but what if I want to watch that movie? What if I want to experience it? If I didn't own it physically, I don't even know if it's on any other streaming services right now. That's just one example. Another issue, there was an issue with Back to the Future 2, I believe. They have since fixed it, but they had re-edited the scene where Marty McFly is trying to hunt down the Gray's Almanac that old Biff had given to young Biff in 1955. And Marty had to get it back so that alternate 1985 didn't occur where Biff ruled the world because he used the Almanac for sports betting 
and became rich and famous. And there's a scene in Strickland's, Principal Strickland's office at the school, the high school. And Marty followed him in there because Strickland had taken it from Biff. And he tries to get it. And there's a scene where he's realizing it's just the cover of the almanac. And it's the Ooh La La magazine. Ooh, so racy. And he's like, Ooh La La. Ooh La La. And that scene was edited differently when it came out on streaming, I believe on Netflix. And some people noticed the change and were like, hey, why is this re-edited? Sure, that didn't completely change things. It was a little bit shorter. But think about the future, how they could change things going forward. They could make the movies different when they put them up for streaming. I believe Lilo and Stitch was... uh, Didn't they do that? Right? They were caught changing something. I believe it was a... It was where somebody was hiding... Right, they were hiding in uh in maybe a washing machine or a dryer, and they changed it to like a table. I, I'm probably remembering wrong. I've not seen the film. I just know people were talking about the streaming version, possibly even the the later movie releases physically. They changed what the child got into because they didn't want kids hopping in the washing machine or dryer playing around because that's dangerous. Or, you know, the parents could parent. And teach them that you don't do that. And don't let the movies teach your children <laughs> how to live their lives. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. Yet. So those changes could change the film. Now that doesn't necessarily change the story or change the overall viewpoint of what the movie's about. But it's not what was originally intended to be that film. So those are the things that that worry me with streaming. When something pops up on streaming, did they edit something out? The Santa Claus. The Santa Claus is another film. Tim Allen. Good Christmas movie. They edited uh, a scene out of that movie where I think Tim Allen makes a joke about calling some hotline and he says a number and apparently it was an actual number that could be called. And Disney removed it because people were calling it and they cut it from later releases. I think it only made it into the VHS release of the Santa Claus. This is getting deep. Getting way too deep for what this is, this conversation. But that's the thing. Movies can be recut. They can change. And if you don't have a physical copy of the initial releases, it can change. Star Wars, of course, is the biggest example of that where they did these special editions with George Lucas And the fans, I'm not a big Star Wars guy, but the fans of Star Wars were like, why would you not allow us to watch it the way we remember seeing it in the theaters? Why can we only get it with these crazy modifications that we don't want? This wasn't our movie. And I get that. I totally feel for those those fans of the original trilogy of Star Wars movies and, and wanting them to be preserved the way that they should be and the fact that there's so many projects that try to restore them and and upscale them to HD using like laser disc copies and things like that of the, the original theatrical versions. That's crazy. That shows you how important these movies are to people. And that's why I'm still going to be an advocate for movies on disc. Say what you will about Blu-ray and 4K not always being great restorations or scans. 
at least you have the movie that you can put in a player and watch. And that's why I'm still going to keep DVDs, because there are some DVDs, that there are movies that have not been released on Blu-ray. And there's probably going to be movies that don't make it to 4K. So if you're holding out for a 4K rescan of a movie that's a little obscure, it might not happen. I recently picked up Spaced Invaders, one of my favorite Halloween movies, Spaced Invaders, about these little aliens that come down on Halloween to this farm town. And they, um, well, I don't want to spoil the movie. Almost, I literally almost said the end of the movie. Go watch Spaced Invaders. I recently got the special edition Blu-ray of Spaced Invaders. Kind of obscure. I don't know if that's a movie that's going to get the 4K treatment down the road. Unlikely. And as I said, there's movies that are on DVD that I have that aren't on Blu-ray. DVDs aren't really uh, printed the way they were. So it's going to get to the point where it's going to be hard to find these more obscure movies. The classics are going to be there. They're going to keep re-releasing Back to the Future. They're going to keep re-releasing Ghostbusters, you know, Star Wars. These movies are going to keep living on as the formats grow. But these, these more obscure movies are not going to happen. I remember when... The transition from VHS to DVD happened. A lot of horror movies got left behind. Because there were so many crazy, ridiculous, not-so-great horror movies that are still only available on VHS. Like, it's not on DVD, even. So you got to think. You might have a favorite movie that's no one else's favorite movie. It's going to be gone. And there's no guarantee it's going to be on streaming or available at least in a decent, watchable quality. As things move to digital. So that would be my argument to to keep physical. That's something I've learned, a lesson I've learned. Don't don't just think it's all gonna be fine. <laughs> be a worrier. Always worry about everything, is what I kind of said. So in general attitude, uh, it kind of goes back to what I said, you know, nothing lasts forever. Sometimes you gotta you gotta gotta keep the things around that uh, that that matter to you. Next one, uh, deep. Leo Vitoski, aka Laser Frog. Oh, oh, Leo. Thanks for your question. Who's your favorite streamer, and why is it me? It's a great question. Uh, Leo, this is this is just to you. Yes, you you're one of my favorite streamers of all time. I love your streams uh, because one, I never know what is gonna happen. The graphics, the, the the singing, the gameplay. You never know what Leo's going to do. Cracking packs of, of Pokemon cards out of nowhere. Highly, highly recommend. If you're not already following LaserFrog on Twitch, twitch.tv slash LaserFrog. Get over there. Highly, highly recommend. Check out LaserFrog. All right, I'll bill you later for that, Leo. I'll bill you for that ad later. <laughs> I'm kidding. That's 100%. Not a sponsor. Just just a great, great streamer. Insmail. Insmail asks, Favorite and least favorite game of 2020? It's a big one. If you had to guess, what would you think it would be? It's a little divisive. A little polarizing to say that I mean the game itself is amazing overall it has its flaws and it's polarizing in the terms of is it the best game 
but it's all about opinion, right? It's my favorite and least favorite game of 2020. Animal Crossing was one of my favorites, but it's it's not the number one. You know, what did I enjoy the most? What game did I enjoy the most in 2020? I think you know. I've made enough videos on it for you to know. Final Fantasy VII Remake. Final Fantasy VII Remake. It hits all of the points. Um, you know, I miss that true turn-based combat, but as I said in my big deep dive... It really is turn-based. If you look at it from a, a modern, through a modern lens, it really is turn-based. So for me, my favorite game of 2020 has to be Final Fantasy VII Remake. Gotta say it. Gotta say it. Least favorite game is tricky because I didn't play any particularly bad games. So least favorite, though least favorite is probably the nicest way to say it. So it's it's still a favorite, but it's my least of the favorites. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll give you this, though. I won't say least favorite, but a game that disappointed me, that I was kind of excited for, um, though I don't know if it was a 2020 game. I got it in 2020, so we're going to say it counts. Hero Land. Hero Land, where it's sort of this amusement park, and it becomes... A fantasy RPG with battling within this amusement park called Hero Land. And it had uh, a lot of influence. I don't know if anybody from that development team worked on it, but it had a lot of influence from Earthbound, uh, sort of an inspiration. And it's a turn based RPG. And I was like, wow, that's going to be awesome. And kind of disappointed me because you're sort of in control of the party, but you're not controlling individual party members. So you sort of influence the actions of battle without directly putting those actions into place. So you're sort of the leader. You're the party leader, but you're not out there, you know, choosing fight or choosing magic to use necessarily. You're sort of leading the group into the actions that they perform in battle. And I, I didn't care for that. That disappointed me. So there you go. Hero Land sort of a least favorite slash disappointment there you go marcus Saberwolf said what kept you motivated and digitally distracted all through 2020 um my audience the, the you the people who are listening and watching right now and uh watch you know my other videos and things that i've put out the streams have really helped motivate me and uh, keep me going through 2020. And it's been a weird year for sure. It's been a little, little scary, a little different. But uh, it, I wasn't affected in the way that a lot of people have been affected by the way that 2020 has gone. Um, but the positive but also stress stressful part of 2020 was, okay, I'm I'm working from home, which in theory would be my dream job to work from home, though what I'd really prefer to do is this stuff full-time. Of course, that's not what I do full-time to make a living. And But being home and being able to not be stressed about being somewhere else and, and being on home, home base is something I'd always love to have, working remotely, um, even though it wasn't ideal for for my position that I work in. But I also 
had my son. My son had to stay home with me. Game Boy had to be with dad all day, every day, while I'm also working remotely. That was that was very difficult. So that was a very trying thing. But when it came to that, what kept me motivated was that I, I could look back and say, you know, what what dad that isn't just a stay-at-home dad gets a chance to spend that many months, that many days, day after day after day together, just me and him every single day, that was, I mean, it was a blessing, a blessing to be able to have that time with him and grow our relationship when he is so young. That's usually not something that in, in my family line has been something that happens. Uh, to be able to spend so many months with him every day, getting up with him and uh, you know eating together and putting him down for his naps and getting him up and playing together, uh, you know, when I was able to get away from from my working at home, that that was great. I'm very thankful that that happened and that was a motivator to to keep me going. And it actually led me to create more content once I got into a nice routine. I ended up creating more videos. Um, this year than I probably expected to with everything going on. You know, I made a video at the beginning of the year, and I was like, let's do it, Game Day's back, 2020, and then all this stuff fell apart, and things kind of died, and then they sort of came back, and I was really happy with the amount of content I was able to get out in 2020, despite it being a very stressful thing. So really, the uh, you know my awesome audience and the content and being able to spend time with uh, the Game Boy is what kept me motivated through 2020 and digitally distracted. And the streams, I got I to gotta shout it out. I've been shouting it out a lot. But twitch.tv slash gamedave started streaming every Thursday at 9 Eastern, 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitch. And it's been great. It has been a stress reliever. <laughs> Though it may seem like it's been more stressful to do it. It's been a great way to just play games, not worry about what I'm doing with those games. You know, like when you're playing a game and you have a channel about games, as you're playing it, it's that weird thing in your mind of, oh, should I be recording this footage? Should I be capturing this? Should I be taking notes for a video? To be able to just play games and chat with you all has been huge. What a great digital distraction. So that's been my digital distraction that I, I look forward to every week is streaming. Moving on, Toy Galaxy. Oh, Toy Galaxy. Toy Galaxy, which uh, if you don't know, Toy Galaxy TV on Twitter is actually producer Greg of the Toy Galaxy YouTube channel. How do you feel about Toy Galaxy Dan, the host of Toy Galaxy? How do you feel about Toy Galaxy Dan's obvious and vicious hatred of Ghostbusters? You know what? You know what, Dan? If you've made it this far in... um, if you even watch Digitally Distracted. I'm sure Greg will share this with you. Okay. You need to stop. Okay. It stops now. I know I know you have this deep hatred towards Ghostbusters because it takes, you know, what you think is real, which are ghosts. You think ghosts and the paranormal are, are this real thing. And Ghostbusters being a, a special effects extravag- extravaganza slash comedy, making fun of something you, you hold so dear uh, as the paranormal. I apologize, and uh, I hope I hope that you can get over it. Uh, if you don't know, Toy Galaxy Dan, of course, former paranormal investigator, ghost hunter. I think that's why he has such a vicious hatred of, 
of Ghostbusters. And, I, and frankly, uh, I don't care for it. I won't stand for it anymore, Dan. Love you, Dan. <laughs> Rich Retro. Where does Roy get his amazing shirts? Great question. Roy. Roy wears a very specific shirt, if you haven't seen it. I believe it's, gosh, it might even be Tommy Hilfiger, which doesn't seem like something he'd wear. Uh, it's a blue corduroy collared shirt. I don't know where Roy got it. You'd have to ask him. And don't worry, there's more games in a minute and more Roy coming in 2021. Enjoy that, Rich Retro. Ed's Retro Geek Out. Check out Ed's Retro Geek Out channel if you haven't. He's got some great uh, discussions on action figures. Ed's Retro Geek Out. Ed said, Do you feel that lockdown gave you an opportunity to really experience and enjoy having an extended library of games at your disposal? Or did you just keep playing Suikoden? <laughs> I wish I could just play Suikoden every day. Actually, I probably don't. I'd probably get sick of it. If I played it every single day, gotta, you know, what is it? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. So the less I play Suikoden, the more I love it. I don't know if that's how that works, but that is something I struggle with where being on lockdown, you'd think, oh, but I have access to all these games. It's so difficult to pick one. And if you've ever heard me discuss emulation and ROMs, it's one of the big pitfalls I think people run into when they first discover or decide to explore the world of emulation and ROMs where, I mean, I remember people doing this when I first found out about ROMs is, oh, I loved the Super Nintendo Entertainment System as a kid. I haven't played it in 10 years. I'm going to experience it again. I'm going to get my emulator at the time. It was ZSNES download their emulator, and then they just f would find a ROM pack of hundreds of Super Nintendo ROMs. Load up the emulator, open up a ROM. Oh, I remember this game. Play it for a couple minutes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Ooh, Rise of the Robots. Oh, wait, oh, this is actually terrible. Um, Ooh, Phantom, the Phantom 20, 2020. Is it Fan? Wait, hold on. Is it Phantom 2020? I'm looking this up right now. Phantom 2020. Wasn't that the name of the game? <laughs> I think that might be the wrong... On the Super Nintendo, okay, whew, shoo, that was a close one. We've still got 20 years to go, 20 more years. Phantom 2040, the side-scrolling platformer that was on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> I grew up with that game for some reason. But you might play it and be like, ooh, I don't, uh, this isn't great, great either. Super Mario Kart, oh yeah, that's fun, play a couple races. So you get these little snacks just a little bit of flavor of what those experiences were when you have hundreds of games and you don't appreciate any of them the way you would if you only had a couple of options. So limiting the breadth of what you have access to makes you appreciate those smaller experiences more than you can. And for me, it's a little different because I have those experiences live. You know, I'll play a game all the way through. I don't I don't do that where I'll grab a game, play for a couple minutes, grab a game, play for a couple minutes. I, I hone in, which makes it very difficult to play through a backlog. I don't even want to take the time to think about what my true backlog would be. And I need to decide, is my backlog, these are all the games I've never even tried? Or is my backlog, these are all the games I haven't beaten? 
if I make my backlog all these games I haven't beaten, it's over. Game over. But if it's at least trying and experiencing every game I own is, is definitely on my list. Streaming will help that. I hope. <laughs> I hope. But Lockdown, uh, you know, having all those games didn't really make it easier. Because I was so busy working from home and watching the Game Boy, it was hard to just go through my back catalog. But that's something I hope to plan time out for in the future as he gets older. And maybe he'll experience it with me. Or he'll hate games, and I'll just have to give up on everything. Because that would depress me. JJ, the game room, JJ, should Square Enix, Enix, if you're nasty, consider remaking other Final Fantasy games in the style of Final Fantasy VII Remake? Probably not, because how could they? How could they devote the time? I mean, look at the length of time it's taken to get Final Fantasy VII Remake out there. It would be neat. I think what they they should consider... Mm, man, I, I don't even feel right saying this. Maybe they should consider, if they were going to do these remakes, going the Final Fantasy remaster route or route that they went with Final Fantasy VIII. It's probably better to do a remaster than a remake. And there's sort of, there's three levels of this. There's, there's re-release, remaster, and then remake. Okay, remake, of course, allows for a complete change from the ground up in assets and everything. Remaster, they remaster everything. They update textures. They, they fix things. They change the way little things might work. Quality of life improvements. I know I hate that phrase, but... That's what they do. And then you've got just the re-release, which in a way is what I would call the way that they've released Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy IX. I would call those re-releases. They aren't remasters because they haven't really rebuilt the assets. They've more just upscaled it for a release that you can play in HD, essentially. And that that's kind of my preference Remasters can be great, but there are some things in Final Fantasy VIII where changes were made to assets that I didn't care for, like the look of Squall. I've said it before. I don't like the look of Squall. His his uh, his look is wrong to me. The way that they did the textures on his face and everything, he looks like he should be in Kingdom Hearts. I have my issues with Kingdom Hearts. Instead of the way that he should have looked, they should have based his look on the cutscenes, the FMVs, <laughs> if you want to call them that, the cutscenes of Final Fantasy VIII. They should have used that squall sort of model for the in-game model idea. Get closer to that. Because what they've done, they, they I know the idea is that they lost, they didn't have or didn't keep all of the original Final Fantasy VIII assets, which is why they had to almost repaint the whole world of Final Fantasy VIII for that remaster instead of just doing a re-release like they did with seven and nine. But the issue is you're going to run into problems where liberties get taken. And it comes right back to the discussion on streaming media and them recutting films or cutting scenes out, maybe redoing an effect, adding a special effect here that wasn't there originally, which might change minor things, but to people who care so much about the original experience, 
they get messed up. So it's that thing of, do I play the original Final Fantasy VIII on PlayStation, the original, or do I play Final Fantasy VIII Remastered? I don't know. What do you want? Do you want that original experience, that authentic experience, or do you want one that's close enough? There's an argument to be made on both sides. So I think Square Enix might consider remaking games, but remastering is the more likely thing they'll do because there's the time and the team needed. And it's like, which one do you remake? Final Fantasy VII was already a three-dimensional-ish game, so it made sense to put that open-world, 3D-world sort of thing in Final Fantasy VII Remake. So it could work for Final Fantasy VIII, it could work for Final Fantasy IX, and going forward, X. But to go backward, once you go before Final Fantasy VII, you're back to 2D, in that Super Nintendo era and that NES era slash Famicom era of Final Fantasies 1 through 6. It gets complicated. Do you do what they did with Final Fantasy 3? Where they basically remade the game. In a way, Final Fantasy 3 on DS and PSP is a remake. Final Fantasy 3, that re-release, is a remake with the 3D characters. They changed the way the game works. And I don't know how I feel about that. But there isn't really a solid way to play Final Fantasy 3 in its Famicom format. It's not really out there in a way that's true to what it should be. So for me, I'd rather have the option of just playing it more authentically with a re-release than a full remake. But, you know, remakes can never replace the originals. But they also don't, they don't poison the originals. It's great to have both. But with some games, like Final Fantasy III, we don't truly have both. Sorry. (laughs) Thanks for your question. Carlo two times. Carlo two times. Or is it Carlos times? I've seen your your username pop up a lot recently. Maybe talk about how games got us through this year, gave us therapy in more than a couple of ways. And that, that sort of goes to what I said. For me, streaming any games has has given me therapy. We did a, a Super Mario World run where I replayed Super Mario World. Um, my goal was to beat all the special stages from the Star Road and then you know, defeat Bowser. Not hit all the exits. I didn't get all 96 exits. We got like 80-something. But I wasn't trying to unlock everything. I just wanted to enjoy those special stages that I have a lot of nostalgia for. Gnarly, groovy, tubular. And then... Getting so choked up about it. <coughs> Re-experiencing Super Mario World was great. I loved that. And that was something that streaming allowed me to do. And the lockdown sort of pushed me to do. And I think for a lot of people, Animal Crossing, as I said, was was therapy for a lot of people. The gaming industry, I'm sure, soared in 2020. And it's just it's just proof that games matter. And Thierry said, during quarantine, people seem to have finally realized, oh, what a segue, that non-essential things like games, entertainment, and arts, they are essential to keep us going, keep us sane, feeling like ourselves. As a content creator, have you felt this change? Also, 
Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well, Thierry. Yes, uh, I felt that a lot. Um, I probably played less games overall this year than I normally would have, but those experiences really mattered a lot to me. And I experienced some games that I normally would not play because of streaming. We played for Halloween Resident Evil 2, the remake of Resident Evil 2 on PlayStation 4 on stream. And what a fun time. I had such a great time playing Resident Evil 2. What? Now, on my own, I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much, but to play with uh, the crew, the audience over on Twitch, it was great. And that's something uh, I wouldn't trade. So, yes, there's no such thing as as non-essential media to me, entertainment. Entertainment is super essential. I agree 100%. Keeps you sane. Keeps you feeling like there's a little bit of normal out there. It can't just be work, 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 sleep, work, 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 eat, work, sleep, work, eat, in that order. If that's the order that you do those things, uh, you might want to get checked out, I think. Next up, Star Wars Wedding. Star Wars Wedding. I I feel like I haven't seen your username in a long time. Uh, uh, A digitally distracted veteran. Star Wars Wedding. How are you? Hey, Davey. Ooh. Do you know... If Gerald will be back with you anytime soon. You men had such good talks together. Happy New Year. <laughs> uh, I don't know. There is no guarantee. I, I'm sure in the future there will be a chance uh, for Gerald to, to drop by. I'm sure it's possible. But, you know, it's one, the world is in a situation where it's not really possible for Gerald and I to be in the same room, for one. And, uh, you know, Gerald stays very busy. I haven't spoken to Gerald in a while. He's been very busy. I hope he's well. I hope he's enjoying his new year. And uh, I hope 2020 was uh, was at least decent to him because it's hard for it to have been good to anybody. MC Thunder, McThunder. MC Thunder said, is Gerald still devilishly handsome? I can only assume. I can only assume. <laughs> Gerald more than likely grew out the beard. I'm sure he's very bearded up at this point. It seems logical. So, Gerald, if you like Gerald with a big old beard, then yes, he's probably still devilishly handsome. Reshko, I just need a cameo from my main man, Gerald. Just relax, all right? Okay, I I get it. Reshko, I get it. Sometimes game day is just not enough. Maybe game day is not enough for you. I'll reach out to Gerald and see how he's doing. We'll try to maybe at least get a cameo from Gerald and catch up. We'll do like a digitally distracted catch up with Gerald. How about that? And SARS. SARS said, does Gerald still keep his loose discs inside his shoebox? Oh, God. Let's hope not. Let's hope he doesn't still store games loose in a shoebox. Man. Man. You know what, I just want to you know stop here as we get towards the end. I still have a lot of questions, but thank you. Thank you for making my 2020 more bearable, and thank you for growing with me as videos continued to come out despite the crazy. And there's there's more plans for 2021. Things are still coming. Streams every, every week. So uh, I look forward to spending more time with you in 2021. We're going to jump over to the Discord 
If you don't know about it, there is a Game Dave Discord server. We hang out in there every day. There's always a little bit of conversation you can jump in on. I'd love to see you over there. These questions come from the Digitally Distracted channel on the Game Dave Discord. Shin John, how did COVID and the work-from-home orders impact your digital distractions or your ability to be digitally distracted? Like I said, in a way, it made it more difficult to be digitally distracted because I always felt like I was on call. I was working and watching the boys. It was, it was very difficult. It made it difficult to get digitally distracted with video games. But my evenings became a little more game-oriented, and like I said, the streaming, the streaming, it made it easier. Tyler Tylerson, how was parenting, how has parenting affected your ability to keep up with your collection? Has it inspired any ideas for new content yet to come? Yes, of course, parenting has affected my ability to keep up with collecting. I have not bought nearly as many games this year as I normally would. I've imported a couple games. I've picked up a couple of new releases. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily parenting. It might be the combination of, one, the loss of the Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked. Once that disappeared, I did not pre-order nearly as many games. I, I don't think I have any games pre-ordered right now. Zero. I don't think I've gone that long without pre-ordering a game. And I think the loss of that 20% discount from Best Buy has led me to buy way less games. So game, the Gameiverse, if you want me to buy games more and pre-order them, bring back my 20% off because I'll pre-order for a discount. Even if it's a game that I'm like, eh, I might like this game, 20% off made, made me pre-order it. So this year... With the lack of Best Buy's Gamers Club, I've pre-ordered very few games. Only games that I knew I had to have were pre-ordered. You know, Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I pre-ordered that years ago. It feels like years ago. You know, games I had to have. So, keeping up with my collection, it's been minor. It's minor. So I don't know if it's parenting that affected the ability. Though parenting did affect my ability to keep my games organized. I didn't really get my collection reorganized until more recently as he's gotten a little bit older. He's almost two years old. The Game Boy is almost two years old. That's crazy. He's almost speaking English. Almost. He can say, Ghost Buddies. That's how he says Ghostbusters. He says, Ghost Buddies, yes, it's true. The test came back positive. He is indeed my son because he loves the Ghostbusters theme song. Parenting 101 done right. He'll even try to sing it. He tries to sing it. He'll, he'll do the, yeah, 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 yeah. He'll say that part. I love it. I love it. Burner. Burner said, I hope someday there will be a Dungeons and Dragons episode starring Dave, Gerald, Johnny Millennium, and Rob Man. Even just a couple episode limited campaign. I barely know anything about D&D, but I think it would be fun to watch. That is a darn good idea. You know, it's really all up to John. The Millennium John. Johnny 2000. I, You know what? Next time I talk to Johnny, I'll be like, hey, could we do a limited 
couple episode campaign and do a D&D four-way. That's what I like to call it. All right, moving on. <laughs> that would be fun to watch. Pervertex. Pervertex on the Discord said, Did COVID have much of an effect on your ability to pick up games this year? Not necessarily. Um, the only the only problem that COVID caused with shipping was Final Fantasy VII Remake. My copy of Final Fantasy VII Remake Deluxe was delayed. Um, I also got the first class edition, which was a late-in-the-game decision. I was on the wait list, and it became available. And I pre-ordered it because I was worried about my Amazon order being delayed. And then they both got delayed. So there you go. Hooray for me. That was really the only effect uh, that it had on me. Pervertex also said, Do you ever find yourself paralyzed with choice when it comes to actually playing games, and does it ever result in you just playing nothing instead? No. I kind of talked about this earlier, how having a lot of games to pick from can make it difficult to fully experience one. But luckily, I've not had that issue. Um, choice is, is never a problem. Though I will say sometimes a lot of choice will lead me to just go back to a game I've already started. It's very difficult for me to start a new game when I have not completed a game that I'm really into. Does that make sense? So as you can see back here, I've got, uh, for those of you watching the video version, I've got my Katamari Ball and the Prince from Katamari Damashi on it. Because we played Katamari Damashi on stream this week. And instead of playing something else when I had some downtime, we got to star seven out of nine. I believe there's nine stars, and then you make the north star and the moon plus the the uh, constellations. When I went down, I was going to choose a game to pick up and, and play for a couple. I had a couple hours of free time. We'll call it free time. I went back to Katamari Damashi re-roll because we were playing the re-roll re-release on PS4 on the PS5. And I just picked it up and I completed stars 7 and 8 and 9. And I'm going to uh, probably finish Katamari Damashi re-roll before I move on to another game. It happens. Also with Mortal Kombat 10, I finally, I loved Mortal Kombat 9. And this is a secret for you since you've made it almost an hour into this episode. My very first ever game day video, ever, and you've probably never seen it. What? You've never seen it. My first ever game day video was Mortal Kombat 9 when it was released on the PlayStation 3. The reboot where it retreaded the first three games and gave it the new timeline. One of my favorite Mortal Kombat games of all time was Mortal Kombat 9. Amazing game. And I did a full review of that game. Deep dived into it. Nearly platinumed Mortal Kombat 9. But where could that video be? Where Where is this Mortal Kombat 9 review? How was that the first video you ever made, Game Dave? Not going to answer that right now. Just giving you a tease. But Mortal Kombat 10, I never, I never played through the story. And I was ready to play Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate on PS5. But my fans, the fans, the viewers, the Discord buddies said the story picks up from 10. And 10 picks up from 9. So you got to play through 10 if you want to enjoy the experience of the story in 11. And I did that. I beat Mortal Kombat 10. And then I got stuck on this thing of, 
I want to get more of the trophies in Mortal Kombat X slash 10. So I've been playing some Mortal Kombat X when I get a chance and working on some of those trophies, even though that's a much older game now. And then I'll move into 11. I'm very, I've installed Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate, but I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm very excited. It looks like I'm going to enjoy it. 9, hard to beat. 10 is not better than 9. I still prefer 9 to 10. But we'll see if 11 can trump 9. I doubt it. Mike Shimeri, my friend, Mike Shimeri. I'm going to ask my old standby, what music do you like? So growing up, I loved soundtracks from movies. That's where I got my regular music from. I also loved orchestral scores. Big fan of orchestral scores. Uh, especially Danny Elfman. Love Danny Elfman's stuff, but I also like Oingo Boingo, Danny Elfman's band, before he really deep dove into uh, orchestral scores. Really like Danny Elfman, um, Oingo Boingo. Uh, Phil Collins, Genesis, but Phil Collins, Genesis. Big fan. I uh, used to really like Duran Duran. I haven't listened to Duran Duran much lately, but I like the 80s stuff. I like the 80s stuff a lot. Pop, 80s pop gets me gets me going <laughs> and I love jazz um, I love jazz uh, my favorite jazz artist as Mike Shimeri I think already knows Kiko Matsui Kiko Matsui is my favorite jazz artist of all time more than likely more than likely but you know I'll throw a little Dave Koz in there every once in a while maybe a little down to the bone maybe a little Kyle Eastwood you don't know what's going to happen what is that Clint Eastwood's son making music yes Kyle Eastwood it's got some good stuff out there. Um, not my favorite artists, but those are some of my favorites. Maybe I'll do a music episode down the road. And, of course, I love video game music, video game soundtracks. Man, they're probably some of my favorite things to listen to. And more recently, um, probably in the, the later 2000s, really started getting into synthwave and vaporwave and some darkwave. Um, that's really taken up a lot of my playlists lately. And do I occasionally listen to Momoland and Twice? Yes. I'm sorry. I like Twice. Me likey. Me likey. <laughs> Reshko said, oh, Reshko back again in the Discord. Dave, who is your favorite person on this Discord? To which Wheatbread responded, answer wisely. <laughs> Ooh, all of you are my favorite persons. <laughs> Philbert we're almost done I swear Philbert said I don't know the best way to phrase this question but games that have changed you your opinion or introduced you to a new hobby oh wow and uh, for some examples um, have there been new hobbies genres or intellectual properties um, that a game introduced you to which got you into something such as playing Red Dead, getting you into Westerns. Maybe you never cared about architecture or decorating, but playing a game like The Sims or Minecraft got you into room layouts and design. Here's the thing, Philbert. That could be an entire episode of Digitally Distracted. I might save that if you don't mind. I'm actually going to highlight that. I'm going to bold it. I'm going to bold that bad boy. Pow! Bold and highlight that could be an entire discussion 
And if I think about it, I'm sure. I loved the original Sims. I never played any other Sims games, only the original Sims. And I, I almost got frustrated because I do like interior design to an extent. I'm very particular about how I place things, and that's why I like doing the game rooms. It's really fun for me. We always used to joke, uh, me and the, the My Life in Gaming guys and some other friends, how how fun it would be to have a show like Pimp My Ride, but it's Pimp My Game Room, and you go to gamers' houses and you make, you know, you fix their game room, and not in the way that Pimp My Ride did ridiculous things like, we're, we're going to put a fish tank in the trunk. We're going to put a fish tank in the glove box. We're going to put a fish tank where the engine should be uselessly. No, we're actually going to maximize the potential of your gaming space. I think that would be such a cool, cool show, reality-ish show. The problem is uh, you got to have backing and a ton of money. So if you want to steal my idea, there it is. You're welcome. Um, But yes, Filbert, we'll come back to that in the future. Last question, the final wrap-up for this episode of Digitally Distracted. Here we go. Jay Bonner said, how you doing, Jay Bonner? What has been being, what has, oh my, let's learn how to talk. What has being a parent taught you? How has it changed your, oh, learn. It's taught me to not be able to speak anymore after an hour of talking. What has being a parent taught you? How has it changed your perspective on life, the universe, and everything, not just video game related stuff? Okay, I'll keep the video game stuff out of this answer. Uh, Being a parent has taught me that I, and I'm still not great at it, I can't, you can't be selfish. If you want to be an okay parent, not a good parent, but if if you want to be an okay parent, I want to get the okayest parent award. You can't be selfish. You really can't. And it's hard because I still feel like I'm being selfish sometimes. Like, oh, just, oh, he's awake. He's awake in the crib. Oh, just, I want to nap a couple more minutes. He'll, he'll be all right in the crib by himself for a couple more minutes awake. Things like that, you know? Those little moments where you got to just, you can't be selfish. You'd like to, I'd like to edit a video or, or write a script or, or film a new video or play a video game, but there's just this being that matters more than that. And you want him to look back on his child years fondly and not hate them. And it, it's, it's, yeah, it's the selfish thing. It's taught me to, to be less selfish. You can't be completely unselfish because we're human and we're all broken. We're all broken to some extent, some more than others, some in different ways than others, but we all have struggles. We all have things that we we battle every day in our mind and in our environment and our world. But having a kid has has helped me to be less selfish and it's it's shown me that there's a lot of things that are important in the world. And the things that I think are important are not going to be the same things that other people find important. And as he grows up, there's going to be things that I want him to care about that he might not care about in the same way. And uh, the selfishness, staying away from judgment on what he cares about is another way of not being selfish. 
it'd be selfish of me to say, no, these are your favorite movies. He's going to be his own, his own game man, game boy, <laughs> growing into a game man. And he might not li- like games. He might not like games as he grows up. I mean, who doesn't like games? Come on, he's going to like games. But he might not have the same experiences that I do. He might uh, not like RPGs. Then, uh, wow, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. But uh, my perspective on life is in the universe. Man, That it's being a parent does change everything, but it doesn't change everything. Like, I'm still Dave. I'm still me. I've just had to modify the way that me handles things, you know? And the way that I place importance on things in my life has to change and is still changing as he gets older. Uh, it, it's definitely easier when they're when they're really little because you can kind of do your own thing and you're just watching them. They can't get up and walk around yet. Oh, he's he's laying on his he's laying on his little his little donut sleeping. I'm gonna play some games, do some writing, chill. Once he started running around, once he started walking, poof game over at that point and seeing him grow so quickly seeing a picture on the wall of him as as a little little game boy uh and then looking at him now just in two years and he's running around he's singing ghostbusters he's grabbing my hand and saying daddy come daddy come he wants me to come in his room and i don't know watch him flop around on his bed and turn the lamp on and off and on and off and on and off because he's learning it's mind-blowing it it shows you how small your universe is (laughs) and how much you you want to protect it and enforce your worldview on everything and sometimes you can't do that and he's gonna he's gonna want to do what he wants to do he's very independent uh miss independent is his nickname (laughs) because he likes to do his thing he's very strong-willed and you can't control everything and that's probably something that's changed the most that you got a less control can't control everything anymore it's going to be what it's going to be i'm going to be there for him and i'm going to try to be the best game dad i can and hopefully i'll I'll do as good of a job as i can it's not going to be the perfect job because nobody's the perfect parent and uh, boy, I've made mistakes. I've made tons of mistakes, but I'm just going to try to love him, and uh, hopefully he'll he'll blossom into a, a cool kid as he as he gets older. Woo! Thanks so much for making it to the end, listening or watching this episode of Digitally Distracted. Because you can watch it on the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/GameDave. You can also watch it with your ears on your podcast platform of choice. And as I said at the beginning, if you've made it to the end, where did you make it to the end? Did you listen to this on your commute? You know, did you queue it up as an audio podcast? Did you queue up the video and watch it while you're doing some other things? Let me know how you prefer to get it because I'm struggling with the way that YouTube likes to push content. I I don't want to hurt the channel, but, you know, I like doing these on video so let me know if you prefer if you want them to stick around do i need to put digitally distracted on its own channel do i need to 
make it audio only and just do the podcast going forward and move away from the video version, let me know. As 2021 is here and changes may need to happen, we, we all will grow. The channel will grow, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Who knows? Maybe we'll hit that big, meaningless point of 100K. What does it really mean that you hit 100,000 subscribers? I don't know. But I'm thankful for all of you that have stuck around all these years as the content uh, has maybe changed. The videos got a little bit different. I've gotten a little fatter. I hide it well. Got a little fatter, a little older, and a little more dad. A little more dad. But thank you all so much for getting digitally distracted with me. <laughs>